good morning. Good morning. Welcome to church. Good to see you here. In fact, I'm a little shocked to see so many people here this morning because I think this morning as I start, I can make a pretty good case for why you shouldn't be in church. You think? I, it, seriously, it, it boggles my mind every week how many people get up and out of bed to be here on Sunday morning at 8.40 when there are so many good reasons not to be at church. I mean, sleep alone, you know we're going to ask for money every week. You know that, right? You, did you see the plates on the way by when you, when you, when you walked in the doors? Sure, we're going to find unique ways to present it. We're going to find different times that we, can, that we can collect the offering so you can't be conveniently hiding in the bathroom when we do it the same time every week. But there is no church that exists that doesn't collect ties and offerings. And think of all the amazing things you could have done with that money if you hadn't given to the church last year. And on top of sleep and money most weeks, you're going to hear someone tell you how you haven't measured up in some way, shape, or form. And we're not serving enough. We're not, we're not praying enough. I mean, we love you, big guy, but you got to go easy on us every once in a while. (laughs) I feel that I can make a pretty strong case about why no one should, should show up to church. And how's that for a sermon opener? I don't know that I'm going to get invited back to Mississauga very soon. (laughs) When I, when I was a child, my family didn't grow up going to church And I had little interest in going to church because that meant less time for Saturday night fun because I had to get up early to go on Sunday morning, so I didn't want to go to church. And my dad didn't go, my brother didn't go, so clearly to me it was that Carol men didn't go to church. And the third reason that I discovered when I went that church people were old and mean. I mean, not you guys, that was the 80s. You guys are young and wonderful. But in the 80s, church people were old and mean. I remember one of the first times that I started going to church, I walked in, it was a Wednesday night, and I was there with my friend, and I was really only there because he promised me that there were going to be girls at this, at this youth meeting that we were there. And I was walking by, and I had my hat placed perfectly over my hair, not to, not to mess it up. And I walked by her, and she flipped my hat off and looked at me and said, we don't wear hats in church. And I remember I stooped down, I picked up my hat and put it back on and said, yes, we do. <laughs> and I kept on walking, walking right by her. And we've been in a, week, a series for the last seven weeks on tough questions. And we've discovered the truth about who God is and why he's the only way to salvation and, and why we go through difficult times in this life and the accuracy of the Bible and the truth about heaven and hell and whether you've been tracking with us live in service or whether you've been tracking live online You are filled up to the brim with the truth about who God is, and you've experienced the life-changing hope that is for you, for your friends, for your families, your your co-workers. You come on a Sunday morning because you experience the presence of God when when we worship, and you experience the life and the love of the presence of the Spirit that's with all the other people here. And we come because we wouldn't trade all the riches in the world. We wouldn't trade all the Sunday morning sleep ins. We wouldn't give that away for the truth that we have in who Jesus Christ is. And you come because you've experienced this. But what about the hundreds of people that you rub shoulders with on a daily basis that don't know, that haven't experienced, that have all kinds of great reasons not to come to church? And the trap that many of us fall into with this stuff is that we get encouraged But we forget that all these things that we're learning, all these ways that we're growing, it's not for the purpose of serving us, 
we've learned it so that we can go and pass it on to somebody else who has no idea who Jesus is. And this morning, we're going to look at a message called, Where Do We Go From Here? Well, where do we go from here? We go out of this place. (laughs) And we're going to look this morning at a story from the life of Paul. And Paul was a man who didn't know Jesus personally and then encountered his truth and his life changed. In fact, the world changed in a way that we've never seen before. And it propelled him to go all into the west of Asia and, and share what had happened to him and the transforming power that is available in Jesus. Totally changed the church. The lives of thousands of individuals wrote the Bible for us. But we're going to look at what happens when we get out of here, when we go from here, and we share the message that we have received inside of us. So it, we're going to be uh, looking in, in the book of Acts, and if you don't have a Bible this morning, just slip up your hand, and one of our ushers are going to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible to borrow this morning. You can be tracking along at the Portico app, and uh, if you, you can download that, and all of our notes are there. And we welcome those who are watching over in the video cafe. And uh, if you just have your Bible, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 17 verses 16 through, through 34. And we're not going to read this whole text this morning, but we're going to be bouncing in and out of that. So you're going to want to hold it open there, okay? So we're going to look at the story of, of Paul. And Paul comes to the city of Athens. Now Athens was the Greek capital. It was the, the home of Plato and Aristotle and all this, all this thought. There was the foundations of democracy that would come from, from Athens. It had the first Olympics. Athens, I believe, is the birthplace of Suvlaki, as I was doing some research. Quite a wonderful city. It was an educated place. It was a reflective place. It was one of the spiritual and cultural and thought centers of the world at the time. You could equate it to kind of like modern-day Meadowvale, pretty much. <laughs> And Paul had come into Athens, and he was walking around, and he saw the state of the city. And here's what he says in Acts 17 and 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, Paul could have just as easily been walking around our world and seen enlightened people who were looking for something to worship and still become distressed Because collectively, our society looks in the wrong places to find truth, to find hope, and to find something to give their lives to. And if the past six weeks have taught us anything, it should have taught us that we have answers here. Inside of us, we have truth that can change the way that people experience life and experience God. We have an amazing message of hope for people that go out in the world and experience a world that lets them down. We also know that there are real consequences for those who who don't choose to align themselves with God, who miss out on this message. But when you walk around our world today, when you go to work tomorrow, when you're out and about in the community, are you distressed the same way that Paul was, like the Bible says? If you look at some other translations, some of the words that are used say that he was, he was deeply troubled when he looked around at the world. That he was, he was stirred, he was upset. He knew that he had to do something just by looking around at the world in which he lived. And to be honest, I don't think those are the kinds of words that describe the typical reaction that you and I have when we walk around our world today. And our first thought for this morning is that we need to recognize the pervasive influence of culture and what it's done to us. In, in, in a moment of self-reflection and honesty, are you more intrigued by the fallen areas of our society? Or are you more heartbroken by the fallen areas of our society? Last, last uh, weekend, we watched 
as a, as a world, as North America, we watch, we watch the Grammys. Now, I don't know if any of you watch the Grammys, but we watch Carrie Underwood and that hunk of a man, Sam Hunt, rip off heartwarming melodies as they sang that song together. And we saw, we saw fabulous artists come together to, to present and they did tributes to one another and they honored one another. Yet at the same time, we watched them flaunt sexuality and wear clothes that are provocative and, 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 and they would promote a drug culture and a party culture. And it begins to normalize those things for us. And we look at that and we say, man, we love what we heard and we're not really distressed at what we saw. We're kind of intrigued by what we saw presented last weekend in, in L.A. Maybe you're not a music person. That's okay. Maybe it was the NBA All-Star Game. The NBA All-Star Game was here in Toronto last weekend. And we celebrated Kobe Bryant and his retirement. A man who's won multiple NBA championships. One of the greatest basketball players of all time. And um, similarly, the last week, the weekend prior to that, Peyton Manning won um, he won the Super Bowl, and, and we celebrated all of his accomplishments. And I mean, what a great quarterback he is. Yet at the same time as we celebrate these two individuals, we know that one is an accused rapist and the other is dealing with sexual assault charges. But we honored them and put them up in front as, as parts of our society that, that we should aspire to. Maybe sports and music isn't your thing. Maybe you're close, more closely aligned to following the story of Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, over the last few months, he has offended South Americans, Canadians, Muslims. He's called out Jeb Bush, the entire Bush family, for bad leadership and lies. And as this wave of culture sweeps over us, it begins to influence our thinking without even realizing it. Have you ever been down to... Hopefully you're not swimming in Lake Ontario. Maybe you're swimming in one of the other lakes or you're swimming in an ocean. And when, and when the waves are sweeping over you and, and, you're, and you're playing or you're watching your kids play, you notice over time that you're just slowly going down the shoreline have you, without ever watching as the waves come. You're pushed further and further away and you look up 15 minutes and you're half a kilometer down from where you started. That's kind of what the wave of culture does to us. We don't, we don't recognize how quickly it can push us away from where we actually were and we actually intended to be. And we think, how did I get here? And indeed, our culture is super interesting and captivating. I get it. I I was watching the Super Bowl and the All-Star Game and the Grammys. I don't watch a lot of Trump, I gotta be honest. (laughs) I was watching a lot of that as well. And there's nothing inherently wrong with tracking along with the newsmakers of our day. And I'm not passing judgment on these individuals as well either. Please don't hear me say that. We all have high moments and we all have low moments. And I'm thankful that my low moments aren't as public as their low moments are. And I don't think any of us would want our lives on display for everybody to judge moment by moment, day by day, good and bad. But ask yourself this, how much of your life is wrapped up in reacting to what a human does and what a human wears and what a human says rather than the mission that God has called you to. Paul walked into Athens and he saw a culture and he wasn't looking to jump into that culture and jump into the debate that they were having and jump into their world. He felt that he was being called, calling them into the debate that he knew that he needed to have with them. He looked at the world and said, hey world, have you met my Jesus? My Jesus is the one who knows things. He knows the things that you've lived for on this earth have left you feeling empty and he wants you to be full. My Jesus is the one who understands that you've been hurt and what he offers you is peace in the midst of the confusion. And we see 
all kinds of the same confusion and people around us who are driven by money or desperate for approval from others or stressed about their looks, enslaved by anxiety. And sometimes we get more concerned about being just like they are than remembering that although we live in this world, our permanent address isn't in this world. Our permanent address is in heaven. Here's what Romans 12 and 2 said. This is Paul writing. He said, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. The one and only defining characteristic that should matter to a Christ follower is that they are a Christ follower. Our world comes and brings separation. Christ comes and he says, no, you're all united. Our world creates hierarchies. Christ says we're all equal. Our world sets popularity and power up as pedestals to get onto. And Jesus said there is no greater position than to serve. It's the kind of stuff we learn in kindergarten. It's not how we look. It's not that our, what other people think of us that matters. It's, it's who you're becoming. And it's hard to grow up sometimes. We struggle even as adults with the same issues today. And it affects our ability to find God. It affects our ability to feel loved by God. And it affects our ability to see a culture that so desperately needs to hear the message of hope and Jesus. There are people getting lost in looking for fulfillment in their culture. And rather than seeing a lost world, we need just to see a world that needs to hear about Jesus. And Paul walks into Athens that day, and the first thing that strikes him is that he's distressed, he's heartbroken for a culture And it leaves him with a choice. He can make the decision to say, this is a society that has gone so far beyond the place that they would even want to hear this message that I have to share with them. Or he can recognize that this is a culture that had gone so far past Jesus that they desperately needed him to get up and do something about it and say something about it and speak to the culture in a way that they would understand. Which brings us to our second point this morning. We need to identify opportunities to tell the story of Jesus. Instead of being engaged in a culture and feeling pushed out by a culture, we need to say, we can share the story of Jesus in this culture. Here's what we read in verses 22 and 23 as we move along in this story. So Paul in Athens, he was invited to the Areopagus, which is the center where there would be teaching and thought. And Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. He's engaging them at their level. For I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. They were worshiping something they didn't know. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. Paul walks into a room full of people who had no context for believing in Christianity. And he was very, they were very convinced that God was a concept. If, if we know what Greek thought would have been, they were convinced that, that there was God's that God was conceptual, we're not sure that maybe God would have been real, but not one God, that God was a mindset, sometimes undefined. Does that sound familiar at all? In our culture, people convinced that there is some kind of God, some kind of being, not sure if we can define it or not in different ways to God. When's the last time that you actively had a faith discussion with a person who has a different faith than you do? When's the last time you engage somebody outside of a church circle saying, let's talk about faith and who God is? Josh and I went to, Pastor Josh and I went to an Alpha conference back in, back in September. And here's what we learned. As as they were starting to do Alpha and Alpha, Alpha was growing, they found that as 
we ran alpha programs that were designed to engage people who have no idea who Jesus is but are interested in faith. They would run an alpha program in their church, and churches all over the world run alpha programs, and it fills up with Christians. Because Christians are very interested in talking about God with other Christians and defining who God is for themselves and debating with who it is for each other. But then the program never worked. Alpha never brought people to Jesus in most churches or or at smaller numbers because we have nobody of a different faith or of no faith in that evangelism program. Or if there is somebody that walks into that program, they felt ganged up on because there's like 15 Christians in me here. I guess, I guess I'm the odd one out. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Christ followers in the room this morning, if you believe in Jesus, listen, you are not designed to have holy church huddle discussions with your faith. That is not why we were saved. That is not why we've been studying the way we've been studying these last few weeks. Yes, we can refine our faith and it's good to know what we believe, but we were designed to go out into the world and have discussions with people who don't know who Jesus is. The world is ripe and ready to receive and needs the message of Jesus, needs the hope. They need truth. And we're having conversations in here with each other because we don't think that they're ready yet. Here's what Jesus said. There were They were having this same thought in Jesus' day. Look at John chapter 4, verse 35. Here's what he said to his followers. As you look around you right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it will be time to harvest? He's using an analogy from the farming world. He says, I'm telling you, open your eyes. (laughs) Take a good look at what's right in front of you. The Samaritan fields, the people who are outside of the kingdom of God, they're ripe. It's harvest time. It's time to go start having conversations about Jesus with people who don't know who Jesus is. We excuse ourselves all the time from having these kinds of discussions. We say, well, I'm just demonstrating an honorable Christ, uh, Christ-like lifestyle to my friends. I'm demonstrating it the way that a, a person who follows Jesus would act in my job. Jesus, and, and, and then, and then, in a few months or when they're ready or I've already had that conversation once, I'm not going to have a conversation with again. Jesus goes, stop saying that. Stop, stop saying I'm going to do that later and the time will be later. It's a better time. He said, now is the time. They're ready. Are you ready to go and have that conversation? More often than not, we don't engage in faith conversations because we're a little bit afraid to do it. If we were honest, if we're doing self-reflection this morning, we're we're a little bit nervous. We're, we're not sure how we're going to be received. We're not sure if people are going to receive it. It's a false narrative that we tell our, ourselves. We tell, we say, we'll lose our status. We'll lose our friendship. We'll be labeled a religious weirdo if we start having conversations about Jesus. Here's some stats I want to put out in front of you. And in, in a recent survey that was done, 62% of Canadians, more than one out of every two people you meet, are open to greater involvement in religion if they were just invited. If somebody would invite them into a religious conversation, they're looking for it. And 89% of the younger generation said, if someone wanted to tell me about what he or she believed about Christianity, I would be willing to listen. It's a false narrative we tell ourselves. It's not the other people that aren't ready, it's us. It's me as a Christ follower. We live in a religiously curious world who are open to conversations about Jesus. In fact, we know every Sunday, as we sit in this room right here, there are people who believe in Jesus, people who don't believe in Jesus, interested in the conversation. And we love a church that is full of people who are thinking on all different sides. But for some reason, 
Christ followers are more interested in talking to each other about Jesus than we are about talking to people who don't know Jesus. At the same conference that Pastor Josh and I were at, when the UK Alpha programs figured out how to run their Alpha programs, they they started denying Christians access into the programs. And they said, you already believe in Jesus? Awesome. We'll have you make dinner. We'll have you greet. We'll have you you, um, help clean up afterwards. When, when, When he and I were there, we were able to participate in the first Alpha program. And they said, no, sorry, you can't sit in with a table of people who don't know Jesus. You'd mess that up. You have to go to the upper level. And we sat looking at the upper level, having dinner with other Christ followers. And the bottom level was full of hundreds of people who didn't know Jesus, just talking about Jesus because they were interested and they were curious and the church in the UK has completely changed there was once this is once a religious scope that where churches were closing doors and we're we were in an Anglican cathedral that was running multiple services multiple campuses full of hundreds of young people brand new to the faith because people started having conversations with people who didn't know Jesus it absolutely changed everything So where do we go from here? I'll tell you where we go from here. We go out of here and we stop having conversations just with each other about here's what I believe, what do you believe? Here's what what I think, help me refine my faith. We start talking to people who don't know Jesus. I remember I moved to Mississauga 12 years ago. We, we moved, and, and you're busy, I'm busy, we get it. We probably don't have a lot of nights a week where we can engage in, in, in fun activities. And when I loved, I loved sports, I loved to play baseball, and I made a decision when I came. I wasn't going to spend my leisure time with other people who are just like me, who just have, have faith. And John Thompson, I love John Thompson, we always talk baseball all, all the time, he said, would you come and play in the church league with us? And, and, and the funniest thing was is that the way that I came to faith was actually through a Christian hockey league. So I'm not throwing Christian sports leagues under the bus. It works. There was a bunch of Christians and me, and by osmosis, I guess I kind of caught it or something like that. But, but I, I said, you know, I'm going to join just another baseball league, and I'm going to spend my time with a bunch of people that don't know Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, there was a lot more swearing and drinking in the parking lot than there would have been with John's uh, Portico team, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> and I took a whole lot more heat for having faith and being open about who I was and what I believed than I would have got from the other churches that we would have played. But I'll tell you, I had the chance to meet some wonderful guys who I'm still friends with today. And in their moment when, when, they, were, when they had a relationship breakdown or when they were struggling with what they to do for a job or life. You know who they came to? They came to the religious weirdo who was just bold enough to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus and I go to church and I'll take a little bit of heat from it because I believe that you want to know something about my, who I am. Colossians 4 and 5 says this, live wisely among those who are not believers. This is written to believers. And make the most of every opportunity. I remember when we had new neighbors move in, in beside us and, uh, and we, were, we were telling them about who we were and our faith. And I go, they always ask, one of the first questions you get asked is, what do you do? Like, well, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pastor. And it, it wasn't a wall in the way. It was actually an opening. We, invo- we were engaged in lots of religious conversations all the time. They're a, they're a, they're, they're a Hindu family. And the first month that they had been there, they were going to have their house blessed and uh, they, offered, they invited me to come to the puja, which is on, it's a house blessing, which is on a Sunday morning. 
And I wasn't sure how I was going to ask Pastor Doug for time off on a Sunday morning to attend a Hindu festival. Uh, that, that, isn't one of the, that isn't one of the ones we can normally ask for. But, but, I, said, but I said, you know what, I'm going to go to church, but I'm going to come. I was so honored that they would invite me, a Christian, to come to their, to the, to their house blessing. So we let them, they asked like, well, could we, could we use some of your flowers? Or, yeah, you could take a couple of our flowers. And they ripped up our garden and took all the flowers that we can. And it was all decked. By the time that we got back from church, like, church goes on for a while, right? By the time that we got back, we had no flowers in the garden. There was 50 or 60 people in their house with, I don't know if you've been to a puja, but there's like a fire bucket going on. There was a lot of fire codes being broken that day. I'll just just throw that one out there. But, But I remember he was so proud to introduce me as his neighbor and as his friend and as a Christian to all his other friends. You wouldn't believe the number of conversations I was able to have that day because I was open to go, yeah, I'll have a conversation about Jesus with a bunch of people who have no interest, who have no context for Jesus up until this time. To this day, his kids still come with us on Wednesday nights in our kids program. The one time they were involved in a musical, we were doing a little musical production thing and his kids are dancing in front of of a screen that says Jesus in the background. And and, it's being open to have conversations with your faith about people who have a faith different than you and I do. When we decide that this world is an opportunity rather than a roadblock, you'll be sharing Jesus every day, everywhere, with everybody. I believe this is something that the church needs to get a hold of. I believed it so strongly that for a time, I, I, was, I, was, I was a youth pastor here for eight years, I believed it so strongly that I took a year off and I started working at Peel Children's Center as a youth and family counselor because every day I was working with Christians and, and I love our church and I still attended our church. I was still here serving into our youth ministry, but it was something so passionate inside of me. I need to be talking to people who don't know Jesus because I have hope and I have truth inside of me. And then Pastor Doug came back from sabbatical and he dragged me home and he banished me out to Milton as penance for <laughs> But our lives are full of opportunities to share Jesus if we would look around. We're scared, if we're honest. We're more accustomed to talking about Jesus with other Christians at the very least. Last one, and then we're going to end this morning. You've got the knowledge. You've got the information. You are surrounded in a world of people who need to hear Jesus. But many of us also feel underqualified to speak to it. We're looking for training. We're looking for some leadership. We're looking for how can I go and share my faith with people? So we've got a program we want to introduce to you. Just watch the side screens. We're going to introduce a program about how we're going to begin to share our faith in the coming days. So, if you died today, do you know where you'd go? A cemetery? After that. I mean the afterlife. Guess not. Well, the Bible says that all men have fallen shorts, but you can still be saved if you burn up your wicked sleighs. Turn from your wicked ways, you idiot. You're an idiot. You just called him an idiot. You're not an idiot. Jesus loves you. But if you fuss with your spouse and believe in Pop-Tarts... Believe in your heart. Look... Tell him all his sins will be forgiven. Your sins will be forgiven. I think a bird just pooped in my coffee. God could forgive me of my sins? Can you believe that? No way. Must have been a, a pelican. Uh, I thought no sin was so bad that he can't forgive. It's filled up my mug. That's a big load of poo. Now you can share the gospel without the inconvenient hassle of actually learning it yourself. Hello, Wuto.
Okay, that was a lie. We're not actually going to do that. (laughs) It's funny, though. We would describe ourselves as unqualified to share faith and go have a discussion about Jesus with people who are just curious but don't know enough about Jesus. Do you know that that was the very description that was used of Jesus and his disciples? The world looked around and said, these are unschooled, ordinary people who seem to be teaching with truth and authority. They weren't speaking like they were speaking on their own. In fact, these are the best suited people to share your faith. The people who are just coming to know Jesus or feel underqualified and are only going to rely on God's help to share their faith are the best qualified people to ever share their faith and go give a message to a world that needs hope. Because you don't share what you've decided in your head to be right. You're only sharing what the Spirit of God has put inside of you, which is our last point this morning. If we're going to share faith, we're going to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was educated, but he knew that people's lives wouldn't be changed because of anything he could offer. The only thing that would change people's lives was the spirit that was within him. And Jesus told his followers this, Luke 12, 11, and 12. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So that's why Paul, on this day in Athens, gets up in front of everybody, and the philosophers, and all these people who could have judged him, but he boldly says in Acts 17, 23, I'm going to proclaim Jesus to you powerfully. And listen, it's not any less scary when we have the Holy Spirit with us, but here's what it is. We can have confidence that if all we're sharing is the life that we've been given, and the stuff that he's given to us, we can have confidence that what we share is life-changing. It might not be refined, it might not sound educated, but it's life-giving because it's the spirit and the truth that's been inside of us. Romans 1 and 16, Paul writes this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And if you have even taken one step and become a follower of Jesus, inside of you is life-changing truth and life-changing spirit that you have to give to people. It's in you to give. It's not in you to have time in church. It's in you to give to the world. And people have been turned off by the church because maybe we've done it aggressively or we've done it arrogantly. Sometimes in our history, we've even done it violently. And we've been trying to use human strategy or worldly strategies for a message that's out of this world, that's unworldly, that's godly. If we're going to share the news of Jesus, we need to share it by the power of the Spirit, and then the fruit of the Spirit will be in that. The fruits of the Spirit, the Bible teaches us, are peace. We come peacefully. We come with patience. We come with kindness and self-control and and understanding. Here's what Colossians 4 and 6 says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And as we get to the end of Paul's story, we see the ultimate result of Paul's decision. That day as he walked into Athens and decided not to be put out by a world and not to disengage with the world, but to share Jesus with the world. Here's what it said in 32 and 34. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Some passed it off. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. And some of the people became followers of Paul, and believed. What if? What if at the end of this day, or the end of this week, or maybe it's going to take you a month to get this in you. What if at the end of this 
period of time, you got the boldness to speak about the resurrection of Jesus with a friend, with a family member, with people you work with. And some laughed at you, but others would say, because of you, I believe today. Because of you, I want to hear more about who Jesus is. I want to become a follower and believe. And so I'm going to stop, and I'm going to invite our worship team to come. But we are going to sing a song that we sang at the end of the music time that just says, we're going to make his name glorious, glorious. And we're going to declare this morning in song that to our God, we will lift up our voices. We won't just do it on Sunday morning when Pastor Dwayne and the team is leading. We will do it when we go out of this place because we know that we have hope inside us to give. And the place where we're going to go from here is out there to a world that needs to hear Jesus. And I'm going to pray this morning that God puts the name of a person on our hearts, a person that sometimes maybe we've dismissed Somebody that we care about deeply, that we, that we value their relationship with. And we said, you know, they would never be interested in this message. They would never be interested in engaging in discussion about Jesus. Father, right now, I pray you put the name of a person on our hearts or in our minds. Holy Spirit, bring someone to our attention that we're going to go and share faith with them. We're not going to leave it here. It's not going to be a Sunday morning thing. This is going to be a thing that's going to change lives. God, give us boldness. God, give us kindness. God, give us the, the time and the right opportunity to go and that somebody else would believe and somebody else would have the truth because of what you're going to do through us. Thank you, Jesus, for the awesome privilege that it is to go from here and share your truth just like Paul did on that day. Thank you, Lord.